Blog Talk Radio. can finally play the game. And he's going to go over 100 for the 13th consecutive game. Congratulations, Nick Is that a challenge? Miller, the shotgun, gets free on the air. Traxton Miller's loose. Spin move. Miller headed for the end zone. Well played, sir. You the real MVP. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, always man. It always, always puts me in a great frame of mind. Frame of mind. You are now listening. I know to you the needed it. Yeah, I did, dog. It was rough last night. It was very rough for your kid. Ah, uh, it is December 29th. This is our last show of 2015. Uh, I am JQ, the Northerner, the Buckeye portion of this show, and with me as always, my. Right-hand man, my partner in crime, the Georgia Bulldog himself, Mr. Dylan Short. What's going on, bro? Oh, just recovering from that holiday. And I know you're a little catatonic. I don't know what is going on with Cincinnati right now. I'll have to ask you in your rant later on. Your entire sports bed has gone crazy. Yeah, I mean, between the you know the Bearcats getting destroyed by San Diego State, the Bengals can never win in prime time, and then – you know, the Red, the Jockey. Reds giving away players. Yeah, for, for Chico Sticks and uh Wendy Frosties. I mean it's just <laughs> it's just it's just bad. We'll 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 get to that. I'm trying to, you know, remain positive. Uh as you know, most of my listeners uh know we're pretty into college football and football in general, so to speak. Uh but we've got a good slate of games uh going coming up uh here at the New Year six. So I wanted to spend a little time talking about those. I mean, because I haven't been super enthused uh, about the bowl season so far. I mean, I've stumbled into some good games, but I think we're now getting into the meat of it and, and getting to see the top tier teams and the uh, conferences get some, you know, cross pollination, so to speak, playing. Um, is there one you want to talk about? Let's start with the one that we want to go to. If you guys don't know, me and Dylan are trying to uh, get some tickets for the low ski, and I mean, by the low ski, I mean free uh, <laughs> Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> here in Atlanta um, between Houston and, and Florida State. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you kick it off there, Dylan. Um, is there anything in particular, you know, if we get a chance to go see in a person um, that you're looking to see between these two teams? Oh, it's actually one of my favorite games that's on the slate. I think this is a phenomenal matchup. On the one hand, you got Dalvin Cook over there at Florida State, who's the best running back left out of that big discussion between Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, Derrick Henry. I mean, Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook's just phenomenal. And then over in Houston, you've got your boy Tom Herman and Greg Ward, who's done nothing but put up just ridiculous stat lines running and throwing in that high-powered Houston offense. That will be a fun, fun game. Hopefully I can bag enough people, kiss enough backside, <laughs> and get tickets because I really, really would like to see that game. Yeah, agreed. And that's just where I was going to go with it as well. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the power on power in that matchup is, like you stated, that Houston offense uh, with Herman and Greg Ward Jr. Um, but, and I'm interested to see because that Florida State defense is pretty good. 
Um, I wonder if they if they can spread them out because that's what they're going to want to do and move the ball on them because I don't think they you know they have the kind of offense that may get Florida State trouble and the fact is it's not a Ohio State or an Alabama team that is going to stay inside and not go to too much spread formation so to speak they want to run that power up the middle where Houston will give you a little bit of that but they want to go sideline to sideline and get up in the track meet and I and I think you're going to have to do that against Florida State because you're not going to make a living. Uh, I guess a seven to eight man box. You're gonna have to spread them out and try to beat them in space. So I I, I agree with you. I'm I'm real interested to see that dynamic. And on the flip side of that is I think we've seen Florida State uh, and some of their losses in the fact that that defense is, gets tired because you know you don't have ever goals for him. Even though I was never really sold on him. But um, can Sean McGuire do enough to keep eight nine men out of the box right uh, to to limit Cook's um, influence on the game? So. Those two, two, those two things, I'm, I'm really interested to see. Oh, it is completely a Dalvin Cook contest from Florida State. Dalvin Cook is their entire offense. The buck starts and stops with him. And when I tell you that this running back may be the best out of this entire class, I'm, I'm not using any hyperbole here. You know I'm a huge Georgia fan, so Chubb is my guy. But Dalvin Cook is just unbelievable. Off-field issues aside, Watching him play is just ridiculous. And you touched on it with McGuire. McGuire's not a fantastic quarterback. You've seen he's very limited in what he can do. Mm-hmm. He, he has a decent arm, but he doesn't read coverage very well, and his balls kind of float. I don't know really what it is, if it's a technique issue or what, but this is not the same Florida State team from a couple years ago. Their defense doesn't have all of these fast playmakers at linebacker, which they're accustomed to. They've got a couple good safeties in Nate Andrews and um, – Galen Ramsey, but that's really it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, and and this will probably still be though, probably still be the best defense I think that Houston has seen this year. Even with what you just said, you know, uh, when you have who do you who else they play that? Yeah, Temple. I think I still take Florida. I think I still take Florida State's defense because they're still going to have a ton of speed on that in that in that in that secondary and on that defense, but they don't have the names yet uh, because they, they lost a lot to to the NFL. In graduation, exactly. uh, so so yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, they have had a dip, uh, you know, just due to the attrition. But I still think it's probably one of the faster or better defenses that Houston has seen. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, and I've taken off on New Year's Eve. So yeah, um, if we can't go, I'll definitely be in front of the TV. Um, oh, definitely. I, yeah. So I want to keep the you know the the orange and the cotton for last because those are are two biggies. Uh, let's jump to the Fiesta Bowl, um, and I'll kind of roll with this one uh, because this one hit home to me, uh, Ohio State and, and Notre Dame. And I'm not sure if you've been following it. Uh, we talked about it briefly. Uh, uh Washington, you know, he, he's, he, he's paying the hose, so he can't, uh, he can't play in the game. Uh, but and then Zeke the Elliott just got busted for something. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, yeah, for driving without Your a license. State, man. Yeah, we're, we're tripping. Driving without a license uh, causing an accident, but he's going to play. I mean, he would have to almost rob somebody at gunpoint. You would have to have pictures of it and a blood sample for them to keep him out of that game because without him, they wouldn't have a chance. Uh, but under the radar, uh, another defensive tackle for Ohio State, Tommy Shook, got hurt, and he's out. And in a vacuum, they could overcome it. But if you're saying now you're two of your best defensive tackles are now out for this game, um, so you can only move both to end so much to counteract that. They're going to have to have some of the young guys uh, uh, step in and, and, and step up 
because, you know, they've had a problem a good piece of the year uh, with running quarterbacks, and they may run into that with Kaiser. Um, and he's got a good wide receiver on Fuller. And I wonder with that attrition on the line now with the suspension and the, and the injury, can they slow that Notre Dame attack down now just so they can – who can who can keep the ball? If Ohio State can run the power game with Elliott and, and keep that moving and then do the play action off of that, um, and Barrett as well, and, and kind of get their defense a rest, I think they can overcome it. But if they get cute, and like we've seen Ohio State do this year, and try all that trick garbage stuff and, and not be able to stay on the field and get that defense worn out trying to contain Notre Dame, Ohio State could be in trouble. Yeah, and this is – I think this is the big statement game for Joey Bosa. And we haven't really talked about this yet. We'll touch on it um, once the draft gets closer. But Bosa is not as big a lock uh, as a prospect as a lot of the media would have you pan out. There's a lot of concerns in the NFL. Um, he's a little bit overrated. So this this will be his game for him to kind of show that he deserves that top five pick. And I think he'll come out – there's a bunch of great matchups going on in this game as well. I mean, you're going to have Bosa lined up against Ronnie Stanley for the most part, and those are both two high-caliber players. Both are going to be high first-round picks. So it'll be good to see who can get the better of them. Uh, hopefully, we'll see Bosa matched out on there on the end. I'm sure we will in passing situations. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would want Ohio State to play ball control on offense. That's not really their game, and I worry that would kind of mess up their offensive strategy if they try to take too much time off the clock. Ohio State is predicated on big plays. But so yeah, is Notre I, Dame. I agree. Yeah, exactly. I think and you're going to see not... a lot of the zone read. That veer run, I think that's going to be almost your entire game portion. And then off of that, they'll take some deep shots with Michael Thomas. But I think that's I think that's what Ohio State's game plan should be. And if you score quick, you score quick. I don't think they need to take away from their explosiveness because that that's what keeps Ohio State in the games, and that's what makes Ohio State Ohio State. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't want them to, you know, fall down and not get in the end zone. If they, if they score quickly and you put the points on the board, that gets your defense invigorated as well, that, okay, we're putting points on the board. It's our job to stop them. What my, my point to it was don't come out and get cute like they're prone to do and say, oh, well, they know we're going to run, you know, the read option. So let's bring Braxton Miller and run the Wildcat for three plays or, you know, that silliness where you go three and out when you shouldn't have because you, you, you went too deep into the playbook, you outthought yourself is the piece of it. I totally agree that the, the read option should be predicated uh, basically the offense. And if you score quickly, you score quickly. But my worry with them is trying to outthink themselves because I've watched them do that a lot. And we watched it with Michigan State without giving uh, Elliott enough carries. They lost and they finally called up to them. And Notre Dame has enough talent to, if you do that against them as well, then you're going to be in trouble. So I, I, I agree. So don't, don't, take, don't get me wrong. I don't want them to sit on the ball. I want them to run the offense like they should because they're going to have to be more in line with what they should be doing, given the fact that their D-line is now, you know, two guys out of the rotation. And, yeah, you've got some, some freshmen over there, I'm sure, that are, you know, four or five-star recruits. But until they, you know, see live bullets, I won't trust it until I see it. And one last note for me on this. Also for Bosa is, don't forget, he got suspended for weed in the beginning of the year. Uh, and his numbers are falling off where he's gotten pressures, but he doesn't have the big ridiculous sack total now. So when you couple those two things together – I think you're right that he's definitely under the microscope uh, in this game. Um, another big game. It's not a New Year's Six like we were talking about, but tomorrow, the Mississippi State Bowl game, that should be a fantastic bowl to watch. 
Um, for some reason, who they're playing is escaping me at the moment. I'll check in a second and get back to you on that. But I know it's, it should be a very highly contested offensive showing. It'll be Dak Prescott's last game. That should be a fun, yeah. fun game. And I'm going to make sure I'm watching that one tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I can, well, I, I probably – what time is it? You know what time? Hold on. I'm going to it right now. Bear with us here, listeners. We are playing seven NC State. NC State, and that's a, right. Jacoby Brissett yeah. and Dak Prescott. Yep, it's uh, 3.30, actually, so you may have to take that one. Yeah. Take oh, Sam and Louisville at 7. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'll be running. I'll probably miss that one, but I'll check it on my phone. Um, moving on a little bit so we can kind of get through these here. Um, the Rose Bowl, and I'll say it again, as I said before, I don't know why the Rose Bowl came out and said that they would go with the uh, College Football Committee rankings because – it's going to be hard outside of getting, you know, just the diehards like me and Dylan to to tune in to watch Iowa and Stanford. Maybe Christian McCaffrey being a Heisman finalist will give it a little bit more juice. Uh, I, I think, you know, Iowa's been kind of out of sight, out of mind, even though they had a really good game against Michigan State. I just don't know if a lot of people are going to tune into this uh, outside of maybe maybe Christian McCaffrey. I mean, don't get me wrong, Iowa has a fantastic defense, uh, and they're going to get the, a senior quarterback in Kevin Hogan, which – should make for good X's and O's if you're following at that level. But for the for the casual fans, I don't know if they're going to watch Iowa and, and, um, and Stanford. I agree. Uh, I'll be honest. That's my biggest bowl game that I'm really not all that excited about. I'm going to watch, of course, because McCaffrey is must-watch TV in and of himself. But both mm-hmm. of these offenses are anemic. You've got two quarterbacks who are, for the most part, game managers, and Iowa really takes a little bit of the air out of it where they just run three running backs. Um, mm-hmm. You don't really get the same thing like you get with McCaffrey. They're both good defenses, but it, it's – it's. I'm going to say this, and you might laugh, but it's true. It's <laughs> not, <laughs> There's not a lot of great athletes, if you know what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. a lot of sound fundamental players. But you're not going to see much explosion outside of McCaffrey. Maybe Beathard can get out a couple runs. But for the most part, this is going to be a knockdown, drag it out, low scoring affair. Yeah, it's going to be a rock fight. Yeah, I love that analogy. You're absolutely right, though. And then that's why I, you know, I know I'm biased. But if you, anytime when you talk about Rose Bowl and you talk about traditions between the Big Ten and, and the uh, and the Pac-12 now, then you know, I, I I think they're really in their heart of hearts one of Ohio State and USC because I would have sold so many tickets if USC was able to upset uh, Stanford in that. But then with Iowa playing Michigan State so tough and them already making that pledge, I mean, they locked themselves into just a matchup nobody really wants to watch. And the Fiesta Bowl, you just say, oh, we can have Notre Dame and Ohio State? Thank you very much. I don't, I, you know, I don't know if there was some under-the-table stuff happening or what, because I don't know how you hand the Fiesta Bowl that matchup. That's probably, in name recognition alone, the best bowl game outside of the semifinals. And if you look at Styles as well, probably one of the better ones. I don't know why you just give them that bowl game. I, I don't. So that's that's how we're going to really give the Rose Bowl because, yeah, who cares? Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you go with this with, <laughs> with the uh, with the Sugar Bowl um, with uh, this Ole Miss and Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, that's another one. That should be that should be a good bowl game. That'll be exciting. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised that they picked Ole Miss to be their Sugar Bowl representative. I thought. Well, if Florida had a better offensive situation, I think Florida would have had that. Um, it's a little surprising, but 
I can kind of understand when you look at how the SEC shook out this year and a lot of the normal powerhouse teams have kind of fallen off and had a down year. But that should be a game with a lot of points scored and almost no defense played. Uh, I'm going to actually give the edge to Oklahoma State with no Robert Kimdichie. I think that's a just a huge, huge loss for that Ole Miss defense. I don't know if they can overcome that because he is their disruptive force on the line. Everything starts and stops with him. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. That's, and I don't know if people are going to overlook that, but that's a huge, huge, like you say, huge loss. Um, and I was reading it. I, one of the matchups I'm, I'm interested to see is Tunsil versus Ogba. Uh, on that offensive mm-hmm. defensive line, uh, that I think that I think that's maybe Ole Miss's best shot. If he can contain him and let Kelly, you know, air it out to Treadwell, Treadwell's going to have to have a monster game. I mean, in order for him to win, he's going to have to have a monster game because without DJ, they're not going to be able to. They may be able to slow down Oklahoma State a little bit, but they're not going to be able to stop them. So I think that's hoping, where Ole Miss's offense, yeah. offensive game plan, really hurts them. Usually. They've got that quick hit offense because they've got that super, that fast and ultra aggressive land shark defense, but they're missing mm-hmm. the two key, uh, the two key components on it. For that entire defense, you're just going to have to uh, have to hope Tony Connor can come up with some big splash plays. But you were right on that Tunsil Ogba matchup. Again, that's two high high picks. Tunsil, in my estimation, will be the first player on the taken off the board when you're talking about a left tackle. This guy is phenomenal. Great in pass protection, fantastic run blocker. He doesn't miss games, you know, when he's not suspended. But those off-field issues could affect his draft stock. I don't expect them to when you're looking at a guy that looks like Walter Jones. Yeah, that's a great analogy, uh, a great comparison. I, I, I think that's who he most matches up to. And if he hadn't had that and had that full body of work uh, and not missed the first, what was it, like six or seven games, uh, I, I think you get seven. I think he would have been because if you can get a left tackle, you're number one. You can get a, if you can get a, a, a no doubt quarterback, a no doubt defensive end, or a no doubt left tackle in this day and age. You take the left number one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then he given that he's going to play 15 years. Um, so I agree, but I think he's going to also have to answer those same questions that Jeremy Bolson is going to have to answer. Of you know the rules, why would you do such and such? And I think that's the only thing really that that probably pushes both of them down. Uh, but I think this one is going to be really exciting as well. This one might, outside of maybe the Fiesta Bowl, might have the largest point scored in the in, in the six. I think. Well, I take that back because Clemson and Oklahoma might be a shootout as well. Um, That's going to be a shootout. But it's, yeah, but so I take that back. But I think the Sugar Bowl should be exciting to watch if you like offensive football. Uh, and speaking of uh, the Orange Bowl and Oklahoma and Clemson. I mean, Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, going head-to-head, I, I think is going to be a fantastic viewing. I think the Orange Bowl got a great pairing. Um, and then you got a little history with Clemson having destroyed Oklahoma uh, last year in that bowl game, 40 yeah, So, you know, Oklahoma's got some motivation. Um, and then I think Baker Mayfield has some motivation. He didn't get to go to New York as a, as a finalist. Uh, and he's playing against one of the guys that did, so you know he wants to come show out. Uh, and Oklahoma has a really good run game with Perrine and Nixon, uh, and then uh, Clemson's defense is good, but they're going to be challenged. I'm, I don't know who to take in that game. I think that's going to be a, a, a fantastic game to watch. That's a toss-up. I could see either team winning, you know, by any, one, by any point spread. You know what I mean? Like, I could see one team yeah. going nuts. I could see the other team going nuts, um, and it wouldn't really surprise me. 
I'm going to take Clemson. Uh, I think these teams are very evenly matched. I do think Clemson has beaten the better teams this season, but I think it's going to come down to coaching. And I think this whole big game, Bob, is one of the biggest hoaxes in college football. Start with a guy that hasn't won a big game since the Sugar Bowl with Bama, and I believe it was 2008. Um, I think Dabo Sweeney's just a better coach, and I think that will show up in this game. And I think Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Not to say anything bad about Mayfield, because the story on Mayfield's just been phenomenal. It's been an incredible story. It's been awesome to watch mm-hmm. a walk-on come in and play this well. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think Clemson has the better overall team, more overall talent. And I think the way that they beat Oklahoma is I think they get to Mayfield early. And you don't have to necessarily put him on the ground, but if they can get people in his face and kind of get him just a little bit off. You've seen in a few games this season where if he misses a couple throws in a row, it will snowball. Uh, the Tennessee game, where he started out 8 of 20 in the first half before connecting in the second half and going nuts, kind of stands out here. And I think that's what you'll see with this game. And Clemson being put in as an underdog, that's not a team that I want to give any extra motivation. That is a team chock full of just talent-loaded superstars. Yeah, agreed. I, I mean, how are we number one and we're, <laughs> we're an underdog? Um we saw how well I worked out last time. I think that was Carolina that went into Dallas on Thanksgiving as an underdog undefeated and just destroyed Dallas. And that's real. Yeah. I mean, you cannot, you can't give people that kind of motivation. Because uh, I'm a homer and Bob Stoops is from Ohio and all things being considered, I can still see Oklahoma winning. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. How about that? Just so I can be different. <laughs> okay. You just want to be different. I just be different. Uh, but I can, I can totally see Clemson winning that game. Um, and the last one, uh, the Cotton Bowl. I'm going to let you kick this off, uh, my uh, SEC guru and, and information stat man. Um, how do you see this playing out? I think we're probably going to be on the same wavelength on this one, though. I think Bama beats the spread. I know nine points seems like a high, uh, seems like a high pick, and normally you'd be right. But the one thing this Bama team does is they just control clock, and all they're going to do is force feed Henry. And with Michigan State not having an offense that can really keep up, this Michigan State team, it is it is easily the one team that you can look at and say, all right, they don't have much of a chance to win this whole thing. Any of these other three, Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, any of those three teams could win, and you wouldn't be too shocked. Uh, but this Bama team, I want to say, I'd say they're probably the most complete team. I think Clemson has a better offense, but I think Bama's more complete overall. And anytime you've got Derrick Henry back there, that's basically going to be their game plan. They're going to run Henry and run Henry and run Henry, and eventually he'll bust loose for one of these 45-yarders where he just takes that big old body and just plows through two people and is off to the races. Um, I think Calvin Ridley emerging about midway through the season gives them that number one weapon on the outside that can be their Amari Cooper, their Julio Jones type, and then Kenyon Drake coming out of the backfield on screens and just change of pace runs. I think this Bama team, I think they win fairly easily. Um, I would think they win by about 14 because I think they'll score a late touchdown. Yeah, nothing more to add to that. For all the points you just made, that's all. I'm looking at my notes, it's the same thing. And then O.J. Howard, uh, the tight end, also over the middle for Alabama. Um, I, I don't think Michigan State's defense is as good as it was in past years, enough to stop, stop Henry in that offense you just talked about. And Coker, real quiet, like, has come on and played a little bit better as the season's gone along. Um, so, yeah, I, I see that playing out about the same. And the only thing I would add to that, as we talked about it earlier, is I really would like somebody to tell me how Connor Cook 
has never been a, a team captain. I that just baffles me. Um, I looked into that a little bit actually when you brought that up. Oh, I looked into it, and um, there's a little there's a little arrogance uh, that rubs people the wrong way. I know you noticed it um, when he snubbed Archie Griffin. Um, mm-hmm. That that apparently is not a new thing around there. Uh, that's kind of the attitude he has, and arrogance to a degree is okay in a quarterback. You you need to have that type of confidence. But there is a point where you go a little too far where you start thinking that you're the entire team. And it sounds like just being able to feed the rumors, and these are all just rumors, um, it kind of sounds like that's the way Cook is, that he kind of alienates a little bit of his teammates. He doesn't really bond with them very much. There's that very standoffish kind of I'm the quarterback mentality to him. And NFL teams have noticed Oh, well, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Now I have my answer. I appreciate it. See, I, I'm telling you, you have to come and listen to this podcast to get all these good nuggets. Because, I mean, that, he's going to have to stand up for that, too. Because if you're my senior quarterback and you've never made been voted a team captain, that, that lets me know a lot. Um, he's got a little and, Jay yeah, Cutler that's that. Yeah, and, that's, and if anybody tells you you have a little Jay Cutler in you, that's never a good thing. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Alabama, too. Uh, and, and leave it at that. We didn't pick any other ones. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State, Notre Dame, who you got? I got Ohio State, and I'll, I'll okay. take it. I think it'll be I think it'll be a good offensive showing uh, with the Dolphins being out and with the other tackle being out. I think Notre Dame will be able to put up some points. I don't think Notre Dame has the athletes on defense to really hang with that offense. Yeah, I think everybody that, that, that knows me and is listening to this podcast knows I'm picking Ohio State, so – uh, Peach Bowl, <laughs> Houston, Houston, and Florida State. Who you got? This is hard. This is this is a really is underrated game. I mean, the mm-hmm. natural thought is to go with Florida State because they are the more well-known team. Uh, I'll probably side with Florida State. Uh, not at the point spread they've got it at. They've got it at seven and a half to Florida State, and. Houston is a much better team than that. I think I think Florida State will win. Um, but I think it'll be about three. I would not be surprised if Houston comes out and just lights it up on offense though. Uh, agreed. And I and I think with Tom Herman, he knows how to play with the big boys. Now he's not gonna be intimidated as a play caller, but I still think the Florida State talent trump you know, I th- I think it still trumps them. But I agree, a three to seven point game, I don't think it's over seven. I don't think it's between seven and ten. So I'm I'm agree we can go with Florida State. Uh, the Rose Bowl. I am going to go with. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. And all things being equal, I'm going to go with the team that has the biggest star, and that's Christian McCaffrey. I think he makes one or two plays, one in the return game, and probably breaks the screen open. And those are the two plays that 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 are the difference between uh, Stanford and, and Iowa. I'm going to pick Iowa. Um, oh, look at you, Big Ten guy. <laughs> I'm picking them because they stop the run very well. And Kevin Hogan is not a quarterback who can beat you with his arm. And outside of McCaffrey, they really have nothing. So in, in order to win this game, McCaffrey is going to have to do everything. And I mm-hmm. think Iowa will be able to game plan well enough to where he won't go out and have a 300 total yard day. Again, this wouldn't shock me either way. And this is going to be the hardest bowl game to watch. I mean, this is this is not going to be an offensive showcase by any means, and this this won't even be as good as the LSU Alabama game 
They ended up 9-6 to because at least in that game, it was explosive defensive plays. This isn't even going to have that. Yeah, I I I, I agree, um, and I just think I just think McCaffrey's special, and, and sometimes you can't game plan for, in always in the kicking game because uh, he's he's doing everything right. He's touching the ball. I think so that's I think the X factor. Exactly, and I think that's where he. I think that's where they win in is in the special teams with McCaffrey. Uh, the Sugar Bowl. Um, I'm just going to tell you if you if you I know I'm a Big Ten guy, but I live in SEC country as well. And if you give me an SEC team against a Big Twelve team. All things being equal, even though I know they're missing in DJ, I'm I, I'm going to go with with Ole Miss over Oklahoma State. You're making me look bad because I'm going with Oklahoma State. <laughs> I'm not making me look bad. That's just my reasoning. You are you are making me look bad right now. Uh, I'm going <laughs> with them because this Ole Miss team has shown you that if not if all of their stars aren't on the field, they can struggle with a lot of people. They got blown out by Memphis. They got blown out by Florida. They they're not a great football team, and they're not a balanced football team at all. They can't run. Um, they they don't really have much on offense either. They've really got two receivers. They've got Evan Ingram and they've got uh, Treadwell and Cody Core can sometimes get into it. But Oklahoma State has enough talent squad that they can they can put up numbers on this defense in a hurry, and without Kendichi to press the pocket. I don't know if uh, Mason Randolph is playing. I had heard from some he may play. I heard from others he won't. But even J.W. Walsh can run up and down on this defense. They're missing Denzel and Robert. And Denzel, even though he's not nearly as talented as Robert, Denzel Kamdichi was kind of the heart of that defense. He was the intensity factor that made them tick. So I think that defense is going to come out a little bit flat, and I think Oklahoma State takes it. Yeah, I mean, I can see that happening. I'm just that's why I say all things been equal. I'm I'm going to go with the SEC team, and but and also you talked about those losses, but that's also a team I know they had the brothers, but they also went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. Uh, so it, it depends on which one of those teams show up. They're going to have to have some guys, uh, you know, because they're really no longer freshmen, right? You know, you played a whole year and you've gotten in due to rotation and blowouts and injuries. Um, at least that's what I'm hoping from for my Buckeyes as well in that D line. So. Yeah, you know, I'm going to generally generally err on that the side of that, um, but I, it wouldn't surprise me for Colton State one. Um, but that's the one I probably have the least amount of confidence in because that could be really could go either way. Uh, so now we <laughs> really that. Good. That was yeah. That, that Thirty minutes goes by fast, man. That is crazy. But I wanted you know the listeners to get an in depth discussion about you know those years. Oh, I think goodness. that's the one. That, yeah, the people care about the most, right? Uh, so now let's uh, turn to the NFL a little bit. Uh, we got some, some, a little bit more clarity this weekend. Um, I'll start with the NFC because I think that one is a little bit more clear. Everybody is in. Um, they're all locked in. It's just a matter of, you know, who's going to be where, right? So as of today, Carolina 1, Arizona 2, Green Bay 3, Washington is actually locked in at 4, Minnesota at 5, and Seattle at 6, uh, with Carolina being upside by, by the, uh, the Falcons, which I'm still just shocked at. I'm uh, sure. want to see this. I don't know yeah, whether it's I mean, a good or bad thing, to tell you the truth. It, it's a bad thing. You know why it's a bad thing? It's because if you have that in you to do that, where has that yeah. been in this slide? You know, that's how I – I know I, I should be half full, but that's how I see it. Like, where has that been? What, what are you doing? Um, so I'm half and half still right now that. myself. I'm half and half myself. I love that you were able to – put a game together and knock off the undefeated Carolina Panthers. I think that was – and it's a revenge game. I thought you played – they played fantastic. Mm-hmm. Offense still had a little 
work out, but they played a complete game. They played a good game. Uh, the problem is it's too little too late, and it it seems like just like an Atlanta thing to come in and play spoiler, but these, you know, you should have been in a position already where you didn't have to rely on two other teams for your playoff run, and it just shows that you never should have lost to Tampa, let alone twice. Right. And if they win next week, the other thing I'm worried about is if they win again next week, that 10-6 and six record looks real good on paper, and it may save some jobs, and Dimitrov needs to go. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, we're starting to get it. Let's give it a little bit more time to percolate. I totally agree. And, and anybody listened last week, it messes up the draft position for something that doesn't matter outside of Dimitrov, you know, keeping his corner office. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree for all those things. But for Carolina also, um, Cam running up and down the field when they were up 30, when they won 38 to nothing, and I'm doing the team picture during the game. You do stuff like that, it comes back to bite you. People don't they exactly. never remember. And you can't give uh, people extra motivation, especially in a rivalry division game. Um, yeah, so all it takes out, is so, you being off the yeah. game once. Right. Um, so due to that, uh, Carolina has to keep playing out uh, because – if they lose again, Arizona wins. They will. Arizona will be the one seed, and that will be crushing for Carolina, given that they've been the darlings all year. To fall from one to two with with uh, losses in the last two games of the season, with even if them getting the bye, I still think that would be a hangover they would have to get over uh, going into the playoffs. The other one is more intriguing, and I wanted to you know get your opinion on this. Green Bay and Minnesota basically want to take all for the division, right? Uh, but it could turn out that. Seattle, if they lose to Arizona and gets into the sixth seed, do you want to win the division and be the three seed and have Seattle come play you in that wild card round in the first week? I thought that is was a little crazy because Washington's already locked into the fourth seed, and I'd rather go to Washington and play Washington to have Seattle come to my, come to me. That's just being honest. Now they're not going to say that out loud, <laughs> but I think if you gave them some true serum and locked them in the room and asked them that question, it would it would come out. So I, I wanted to get your opinion on that. What I, I mean. What would you feel like that is going on in that locker room or with that coaching staff if they if they if you had the ability to give them true serum? What do you think they would say? I think it's different for both teams. I think Green Bay, you don't want mm-hmm. to win your division. You don't have all your pieces. You want to go in and play Washington and hope that some other teams beat each other up and you get a little window. But I think if you're Minnesota mm-hmm. and you're that young. I think you want the momentum of winning the division and having a home playoff game. Uh, I think that I think you really want that, and I think you you tend your hopes on Adrian Peterson getting back to the playoffs. And I really think Minnesota would need would want to go in on a high note, winning the division for the first time in years with Ted Bridgewater being young. Bring that home crowd in there. The Purple People Eaters will be out in full force, and I think and that does make a difference. I think with young teams, you want to stay home as much as you can because it kind of it kind of takes away a lot of the jitters, and it gives them a little extra motivation, makes them a little bit more fiery, and makes them a little more focused. So, I, honestly, I think that's how it's going to play out anyway. I think Minnesota beats Green Bay, and I think this all becomes moot. I think both teams will be happy with the way this ends. That's interesting, and I and I, I think I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't really have anything else to add to that. That's that's a pretty good point. Uh, see, that's the thing. You have to listen to this. We make good points. Other people aren't going to give you. Uh, so that's what I'm telling you, man. The, yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, bro. Um, the AFC playoff picture, um, not as, as solid as the NFC. 
but with the debacle that is the Cincinnati Bengals uh, blowing a 14-point lead uh, in Denver, but A.J. McCarron looked fabulous in that first half, and that gave me a lot of hope. Uh, they probably are not going to get a bye because I can't see Denver losing at home to San Diego next week. San Diego is just a train wreck. They just want that season to end. Dumpster fire. And, I can't, and did you hear, I mean, by the way, what the – oh, hold on. If we have time for our rant, speaking of San Diego, you'll hear about them a little later. Yeah, what they did to uh, Weddle. No, no, don't that? bring it up. Yeah. Oh, okay. You okay, know what I'm okay. talking about. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so I'm going to move through this quickly so we can get to those. Um, New England's probably locked in. They're not going to lose in Miami. Uh, in the one seed, Denver two, Cincinnati three, Houston four, Kansas City five, the Jets six because the Steelers inexplicably losing <laughs> to Ryan Mallett and the Ravens uh, this past yeah. weekend. So uh, that was pretty bad. Uh, there was only one thing. So the, pretty much the only thing we have really left, um, I don't see that happening with Denver. I think Denver's going to win that division in the two. In the two and Kansas City's probably going to beat Oakland and Kansas City to stay in five, and Houston's probably on four. So I think most of that is going to be pretty much solid. It's just about the Jets and the Steelers. Uh, the Jets go to Buffalo. If the Jets beat Buffalo, they're in. If the Jets lose and the Steelers beat Cleveland at Cleveland against probably Johnny Manziel with his drunk self, um, then the Steelers <laughs> will get to 16 and they will go to Cincinnati. Uh, which I'm going to tell you, most Beagle fans don't want that. They don't want to have to play the Steelers for a third time to try to get I know you don't want it. No, no, they don't want it. If they tell you they do, they're lying. They just want to put their chest out and feel like they're, they're like, we ain't scared. You do not want that high-powered offense coming to Cincinnati trying to get your first playoff win since 1990. Let's just, let's just be honest. We don't want that. Um, I, I, think, I, I think the AFC is one of these where either of those wild-card teams Mm-hmm. are honestly going to be one of my big upset alert teams. I think the Jets are a fantastic squad that have flown under the radar all year. That defense yeah. is just ridiculous. And Todd Bowles mm-hmm. has been by far the best first-year coach, and he's been overshadowed by Dan Quinn. And funny how the NFL sets it up to where they beat Rex and they're in. Right. And uh, that should be a game full of fireworks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's their Super Bowl. They're trying to wreck him. You know he's going to, he's going to talk about that. Uh, we're getting close to it because I want to make sure that we both get a time and chance to talk about it. I'm going to let you go into yours first. The, the Colts have a chance to get in as the uh, AFC South, but they have to have ten things go right, and they got one. Ten? The Broncos beating the Bengals. They have to have ten things go right, and they got one last night. So, real fast, the Colts have, they have to beat the Titans. The Jaguars have to beat the Texans. The Broncos beat the Bengals, so that happened. Uh, the Ravens have to beat the Bengals next uh, this Sunday. The Bills have to beat the Jets. The Falcons have to beat the Saints. The Broncos have to beat the Chargers. The Dolphins have to beat the Patriots. The Steelers have to beat the Browns. And the Raiders have to beat the Chiefs. If all ten of those things happen, Indianapolis gets in. If you're Indianapolis, <laughs> do you even want to go? Oh, yeah, you still want to go. You still want to go because you got you feel like you'll get Andrew Luck back. Do you really want to put Andrew Luck back out there and get him annihilated again? Yeah. Because, I can't will... figure out why they didn't just shut him down this season. You're taking a huge risk if you play him with somebody you are pinning as your next Peyton Manning. Personally, I I count your losses, and, I mean, it's not going to happen. To be honest, if you need that many things to happen, it's not yeah. going to happen. But no, either I, way, this is one of those things where pride should not come before the good of your future. I, I, I hear you. I just thought that was was crazy that they would need all that to happen. And if you bet on that and that happens, then you're just the luckiest person in the world. Yeah, so, you will never have to work again. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, man. You only have to put like ten, twenty dollars on that. That's gonna make like a hundred thousand um, dollars. So parlay. it's rant time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten, a ten team parlay, ten, ten game parlay. Um, it's rant time. Uh, let me please go first because this has been killing me for two weeks. You go, and ahead. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. You I would go for if it. You can't, if you can't afford to own a team to field a winner, then you should sell the team to somebody who can. There have been enough studies that say there's only really two t- ways to make money owning a team. You either tank and gut the team and get the revenue from the other teams and the sharing and line your coffers with that, or you spend enough money to get a winner and you get the crossover appeal like Golden State with Curry and you get the jersey and all that other stuff that, that, and build a national brand across people that would normally root for you. That's the only two ways you can make money. You can't be in between. So if you can't afford to be on the other end, which all fans want, then please don't buy a team. Please, Cincinnati, sell it because you have a story tradition. You basically have given away your best two trading chips for, you know, a Yoo-Hoo and a couple bomb pops. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'll be hating on Yoo-Hoo now. Uh, man, I'm not hating on it, but I need more than one Yoo-Hoo for Chapman, okay? That was your best <laughs> tip. You gave him, you gave him away. Um, you gave away Frazier. Uh, you could have got more for that. The only, the only team who's traded I've liked so far has been Atlanta because at least you got the, the current number one pick to sell to your fan base. How are you going to get people to go to the games in Cincinnati when, you know, they don't have a The highlight of that pick was, was a reliever. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. And if I'm playing the Reds, I wouldn't throw Joey Votto not one strike. I would walk him every time. He would get the very bond treatment because everybody else would have to show me. All these young guys that you're going to play, they would have to show me, hey, that you can beat me because I know Votto can, but I don't believe that you can. And just to finish it up, I'm going to let you go. I lost a little respect for Brandon Phillips because the word on the street is he blocked that trade because Washington wouldn't give him a contract extension past the two years he has left now to waive his no-trade clause. Nobody's going to give a 36-year-old second baseman a two-year extension when he still has two years left on his deal. Like, do you want to win, bro, or do you just want to get paid? Uh, so no, you, do you answer that question for me? Yeah, but see, I, want, I want to do both. And he's made his money, so, <laughs> you know, stop it. I, and, and I'm done. Happy New Year's to everybody. You too, bro. Go ahead and rant on and take us on out of here. Well, there's really only one thing I'm going to rant about today. There's a few things I could pick from, but – we touched on it earlier when we called San Diego a dumpster fire. And what they did to Eric Weddle was just despicable. You're talking about your only all-pro player, your best player on that franchise, and he has been since about the third year he's been there. Everybody knows Phillip Rivers. Eric Weddle is one of the best safeties in the NFL. All he did last week, he's been in the league 11 or 12 years, So what he did last week, his daughter was singing at the halftime show. So he stayed out on the field to watch his daughter sing. He's been in the league 11, 12 years, been an all-pro. What are you going to tell him in the locker room that he hasn't already figured out? So they fined him 10 grand, and then they stuck him on IR against his wishes. That is not the way you treat somebody who has stayed with your team when any team in the league outside of Seattle would have pined for Eric Weddle. You're already leaving to go to to Los Angeles, so your fan base is going to be messed up about that. And now you've alienated your most likable player. And this is a guy who everyone in the league likes. Get it together, San Diego. Try acting like an actual team. And for goodness <laughs> sakes, ownership group, just just sit down and shut up. I mean, 
what what did you need him in the locker room for? Your season's already tanked and in the toilet. Can you not show a little loyalty to the guy who has made your defense something that somebody has to actually think about? I I I, I totally agree. I when I read that story, dude, I said, "Wow!" So basically, what you're saying is we're not going to franchise you. This relationship is over because that's so ridiculous. His daughter is performing on the field at the last time you're probably going to be in San Diego. So, yeah, uh, as always, bro, the time goes by too fast. Enjoy talking to you. We'll get back next week. We'll talk about the conclusion of these bowl games and actually pick the winner for the national championship game and probably get into some more hot stuff, bro. Have a fabulous New Year's Eve and New Year's Day watching the games, and I'm sure we'll be in touch texting. Yes, sir. I'll be letting you know everything that goes down. Absolutely. Hey, you guys be safe out there. No drinking and driving. Call Uber or taxi. Have a good New Year's Eve. We're out of here. Have a great week, guys. Yes, sir. See you in 2016. Yes, sir.